Sacred Pause with Jessica Winderl. Hello and welcome everyone back to another episode of the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm Jessica, your host, and today I'm doing a solo episode. So this is always a little exciting and a little scary for me, um, but a lot of fun. And um, we're going to be diving into Ayurveda and Ayurvedic Dinacharya and the rituals of self-care that Ayurveda prescribe. And super exciting topic, I think. But before we dive into that, uh, I just want to give a shout out to the Atman Yoga School and some of our upcoming programs this year. All of our programs have been announced for 2019 and all of our programs are open for registration. So we have a 200-hour vinyasa and Ayurveda teacher training in Oslo that starts in June. And we have that exact same training that starts in Trondheim in October. And then we also have a weekend restorative yoga and yoga nidra teacher training, which is open to anybody uh, in Oslo, and that's in May. And the same training is also in Trondheim in July. So if you're interested in any of those, you can check them out on the website, www.atmanyogaschool.com. And also we have registration open for the next two modules of our 340 hour advanced teacher training. So module two is all about traditional studies and Ayurveda and diving a little bit deeper into the yoga study. Uh, Not so much focusing on the teaching of it, but more about learning about more. (laughs) That's about it. Um, And being really seated in the practice of yoga as a student. And then module three, which is in November, is all about meditation. And I'm super excited. Both of them are amazing modules, but the meditation one in particular is, uh, I think, pretty outstanding. So if any of those are of interest to you, same thing. All the information is on the website. And uh, for the advanced trainings, you do have to already have a 200-hour teacher training certification. Um, And the modules can be taken independently or if they're put together with module one, which is advanced teaching techniques, uh, the next one will be in May, 2020, then you will be eligible to get the full 340 hour certificate. But enough about that. We're here to talk about Ayurveda. And this is honestly, gosh, one of my very favorite topics and it radically changed my life when I started learning about it and I started practicing it and implementing some of the tools we're going to talk about today into my daily life. And Ayurveda, I feel like there's kind of, there's getting to be more curiosity around Ayurveda in a little bit more of our mainstream yoga community. But I definitely feel like it's not as well known as yoga, Uh, specifically asana, of course. But I feel like there is starting to be a little bit more of a spark of curiosity around, ooh, what is this Ayurveda thing? I hear people talk about it, and um, how how do I learn more? And I will say it's been pretty interesting because I have a lot of people who ask me, oh my gosh, I want to learn more about Ayurveda. Can you please teach a workshop or do more training? And every time that I've, I've offered a workshop, the attendance has been really low. And I don't know if that has to do with I don't market it well enough or if um, the topic isn't of interest to enough people. So I've kind of dialed back some of, of those um, things that I want to plan. 
But in the 200-hour training that we offer at the Atman Yoga School, there's a huge emphasis on Ayurveda, the foundations and fundamentals, Ayurvedic nutrition, Ayurvedic dinacharya, um, using some of the subtle body anatomy, the vayus, to help us sequence and learn more about the postures, and really weaving these ideas into the knowledge that we learn about yoga, because they do go hand in hand. Ayurveda is the sister science of yoga, and it's uh, about a 5,000-year-old holistic healing modality from India, and it literally means the knowledge of life. And Ayurveda is really about how do we treat the root cause of disease, disease, discomfort, to allow ourselves to get closer to a space that is joyful and harmonious and grounded and calm and healthy in every sense of the word. And so it's really about, first of all, treating the individual. Um, Ayurveda believes that each of us is a unique composition of the three doshas, vata, pitta, kapha, and that if we take this very individualistic approach to health and healthcare, then it would only make sense that we would have to really be looking at the individual. And so what that means is what's going to be the most healthy and balanced for me is not going to be the most healthy and balanced for Susie or Bob. And in fact, finding our own sort of um, midline for our own health can be kind of the challenge because a lot of us have multiple vitiations or imbalances happening at once. So we do the best we can. And I think Ayurveda is a very systematic and practical way for us to try to cultivate more self-healing and, and take a, a very, um, not personalized, but a very um, responsible approach to our health and our happiness. And so I hope that you enjoy um, my talk today as, as much as I enjoy talking about Ayurveda. And the thing that's cool about Ayurveda too, I think, is the more that you learn, the more you want to know <laughs> because it makes sense. And when you start to apply some of these tools to your daily life and you see these changes happen and you feel better and you look better, then it's, I guess there's a saying, the proof is in the pudding. Um, that's been my experience with Ayurveda where I'm just like, oh, okay, of course this works. So I'm going to keep going with it. And I'm going to integrate more of the tools, more of the uh, tips into my daily life. So today we're talking about Dinacharya or our rituals of self-care. And it's really a lot around our hygiene and the way we take care of our physical body so that we can then prepare to take care of our mental body and spiritual body and emotional body. And I just, it's so awesome. And I think that um, we should all be encouraged to bring more of these activities into our daily life. So this is kind of the, the baseline of typically how you should start your day. Um, of course, 
I like to take a little bit more of a modern approach to how we integrate any of these wellness tools into our life, whether it's yoga, whether it's uh, the nutritional aspect or philosophy we believe in, um, Ayurveda. <laughs> we have to be really kind with ourselves as we make change in our life. So it's not like an all or nothing practice where, oh my God, I must do every single thing in the right order every single day, or I'm not doing Ayurveda, or I'm not practicing yoga. I think really it's about we do the best we can. We take what works for us and we leave the rest. And also understanding that this is an ancient wisdom, an ancient science, uh, but it can be modified and it can be updated for the modern yogi. And it can be part of our daily life. And for me now, like I honestly, I feel so gross if I am not able to do some of these practices on a daily basis. And it's just because I notice such a drastic difference in how I feel when I do do them. So just take all of this with a grain of salt. And if some of it sounds exciting or interesting to you, then try it. All right. So of course, routine is such an important part of Ayurveda. And this has to do with things like what time we go to bed, what time we wake up, what time we eat our meals. Um, and vatas, the air and ether energy, they're the people who need the most amount of sleep and the most grounding and the most stability. Uh, pittas can have kind of an, an average range of sleep and kappas actually need the least um, because they, they naturally have a little bit more of the heaviness and grounding energies from the earth and water elements. So typically we want to awaken somewhere near sunrise. Now in, in Norway or in Scandinavia, this is not going to be possible um, for most of the year. Either there's too much sunlight or there's too much darkness. So just finding a good balance of um, around, I mean, 6 a.m. would probably be a pretty good time period. Uh, but of course... Sometimes our daily, whatever we have going on with jobs and kids, dictates something a little bit different. Or two husky dogs like me. So the first thing you do when you wake up is you use the restroom. So you empty your bowels, you empty your bladder. And one thing that is really interesting about Ayurveda, and I talk about this a lot in all of my classes and in trainings, in the Western world, we are so focused on food and we're focused on, there's a million different cookbooks and chef uh, reality TV shows and every celebrity comes out with their new cookbook and goes on tour to promote it. And I just always laugh a little because then in the Western world, we never ever talk about poop. We never talk about what happened. Like, it's not polite to talk about what happens after you eat the food. It gets assimilated, digested, and then eventually eliminated. Well, in Ayurvedic medicine, we get so much information about what happens in the, the post-digestive effects of food and what happens in the digestive system. Are we bloated? Are we getting constipated? Is there fermentation or gas? Uh, and then what happens when the, the food matter, the waste, actually leaves the body? What's the color of our uh, feces? What's the texture of the feces? What's the smell of the feces? Does it sink? Does it float? Uh, all of these are things that give us so much information about what's happening in the body. So 
Uh, super sorry if you didn't realize this was going to be a, <laughs> a little bit of a graphic podcast episode, but I hope you're on board with it because that's what Ayurveda teaches. And um, I know for myself, really focusing on creating routines and habits that bring me to a higher level of health is, is such a big priority for me. And learning how to observe all the information that our physical organism gives us is paramount to being able to diagnose and understand the inner workings of our physical being. What is the what does our skin look like? What is the quality of our eyes? Are they bright? Are they shiny? Are they clear? What about the tongue? Do we have grooves and indentations? Do we have cracks? What about our fingernails? All of these are things that Ayurveda says we need to be looking at and learning to pick up on the cues that we get from that information. And same thing with our poop. So now most people are chronically dehydrated. And I'm going to say too, also uh, in Norway and Scandinavia, where we live in a very cold, dark, dry climate for a lot of the year, that's going to really vitiate or aggravate the vata dosha. And so we have to work especially hard to make sure that we're eating warm, nourishing foods, having a lot of these grounding routines, um, drinking enough warm herbal teas, keeping ourselves hydrated and warm. So a clear indicator that you're likely dehydrated is if you do not have a bowel movement first thing in the morning. So what Ayurveda says we can do to start to rectify this and train the body is when you wake up, uh, you're going to start drinking warm lemon water or just warm water. Uh, that's fine too. And you're just going to drink as many cups as possible until it stimulates your body to have a bowel movement. So in the beginning, that could be a lot of cups of water. But if you do this every day, first of all, you're going to be really hydrated. And second of all, um, that warmness is really kind of triggering the body in the symptom like, hey, okay, it's time, or the signal rather, hey, it's time to evacuate the bowels. So I'm going to have a little caveat here though. I'm going to say that if you are trying to stay hydrated and make sure that you're having the bowel evacuation first thing in the morning and you're going to drink water to try and stimulate that, I'm going to save that until about three or four more steps down in our Dinacharya process. So after you use the bathroom, then you can wash your face. Um, again, I think this is really kind of a personal choice, uh, depending on your skincare regime, especially if you're a woman, and especially, you know, just depending on if you happen to have oily skin and you need to wash it more, or if you have dry skin and actually you don't need to wash it as often. So then the next thing you're going to do is clean your mouth and your teeth. So the first part of this, and this is my number one favorite Ayurvedic Dinacharya tip, is to use a tongue scraper. So if you do not own a tongue scraper, run, do not walk, run out and buy one. Although <laughs> you can't really run anywhere in Norway to buy them. You need to order them online for the most part. Um, so I always recommend copper. Stainless steel is also really good. Plastic, not recommended. And using the back, a lot of modern toothbrushes have like a little stubble on the backside that's plastic that's built into the back of the toothbrush. I don't recommend using that. 
So a tongue scraper is basically like a sort of long U-shaped metal contraption. And you literally just very gently scrape your tongue and then rinse it under the water. Scrape your tongue, rinse it under the water. And you do that as many times as you need to until there's no more of the coating on the tongue. So that coating is uh, ama, toxins, things, undigested matter that have been processed through the night and that have come up through the organ of the tongue. So we actually don't really talk about the tongue that much in a general Western context. But in Ayurveda and Eastern medicine, it's very much considered to be an important part of maintaining a kind of a pulse on our status of health. So the coating gives us so much information, the color, the thickness, the sliminess, how much there is, how little there is. And in general, there should be kind of like a whitish, grayish kind of coating. Um, that's just normal. But it can be other colors that can indicate an imbalance in uh, specific doshas. So why do we do this? Well, we want to remove the toxins from the body in a very direct way. And if we don't, if we were to, say, drink the water before we did this or eat breakfast before we did this, we're basically just reabsorbing the toxins that our body has worked so hard to get rid of throughout the evening. So the early morning hours um, are, are the vata time of day, and that's when vata is really governed by movement and wind, and that's when a lot of the cleaning internally is happening through the, the organs and the colon and that's why when we get up first thing in the morning, it's so important to be cleaning the body and practicing dinacharya because now the body worked hard, it gathered all the toxins, and then it is working to eliminate them. And then we wake up and it's just like, get rid of it all and start clean. Start your day fresh, light, and not feeling so bogged down by the toxic matter. So you use the tongue scraper. And then the next thing you would do would be oil pulling. And this is something that is really having a heyday right now, a resurgence in popularity. And it's interesting because I see coconut oil everywhere. Everyone is just talking about coconut oil, coconut oil, coconut oil. And I do agree coconut oil is awesome and there are some really great uses for it. However, I'm really, I'm on team sesame. <laughs> Sesame seed oil all the way. And of course, that's because I'm a Vata Pitta, so, and I live in a cold country. So I use sesame seed oil, um, organic, non-refined, cold-pressed for everything. I use it for my abhyanga, my self-massage. Uh, I use it for my oil pulling. I use it on my face. I use it in my ears. I use it in my nose. And so I'm really a big fan of that. It's a little bit heavier, a little bit more warming, Coconut oil is a little bit drier, a little bit colder. It's antiseptic, it's antibacterial, and it probably would be more preferable to use in the summer months when it's hot. And if you have pitta, dominant dosha, then that's a great thing. I would say if you live in Norway or Scandinavia, using coconut on your skin or your face during the winter is probably not advisable. Um, it actually could create more dryness in your skin and your face. And that could actually aggravate and create some other uh, skin blemishes coming up 
from your skin trying to now produce extra oil to balance out the dryness and blah, blah, blah. Okay, back on track though for oil pulling. So you can use coconut for this. That's totally fine. But sesame I like because it's a little bit heavier and it's a little bit better perhaps at drawing out some of the impurities in the mouth. And we really want to be concerned about our oral health because when we have poor oral health, it actually can trigger health issues in other areas of the body. So when we neglect the mouth, we're really not doing everything we can to help support harmonious, healthy habits. So oil pulling, you take a capful or a swig of the oil and you literally just swish it in your mouth like mouthwash. Back and forth. So we are taught that we want to be working up to around 20 minutes of doing this. That can be a lot and you have to be maybe prioritizing or managing your time, you're doing some other things while you're walking around the house and doing your oil pulling. If you do less than 20 minutes, I still think that's fine. I think that's great, actually. Again, we do the best we can, and we don't sweat the small stuff. So when you are ready to spit it out, it's going to get if it's sesame, it's going to get a little creamy, a little thick. You always want to make sure you spit it in the toilet and not your sink so that it doesn't coat the pipes, because uh, after a while, it'll start to build up and can clog your sink. So in the toilet, the pipes are just a little bit bigger, so it's not as much of a concern. You spit out your oil, then you can actually take your finger, and there's a little bit of oil still left in your mouth, so you can actually kind of massage your gums a little bit, stimulating circulation through those tissues. So that's also a really nice thing to do. Uh, most of us really forget about our gums. And that can, of course, cause a lot of problems down the road. Okay, now you're ready to brush your teeth. So again, we still haven't eaten. We still haven't drinking anything. We're just taking care of the oral hygiene first. So brush your teeth. I like to use toothpaste that is natural and organic and doesn't contain a lot of chemicals or sulfates. So I use a brand called Kingfisher, which I do buy here in Oslo. And I think you can buy it in Trondheim, too. I think they sell it at Life, and it's it's great. Just super natural, not a lot of, of extra stuff in it. If your toothpaste foams, then you know that there's a lot of extra stuff in it that you do not want. So part of this process of Dinacharya and our self-care rituals is thinking about how can we upgrade our experience? How can we upgrade the products that we choose to use on and in our body? And... I talked with Kate Murphy from Living Pretty Naturally in season one. She's a green beauty blogger, and I think her advice is really valuable. And she says when you're start, start, uh, trying to start a new routine in your life related to your body care products, don't just throw everything out and go out and buy everything brand new. Use up what you have, and then when it's time to buy something new, you make a perhaps more informed choice. So if this is you... Don't worry about it. Use what you have. Then next time you need to buy new deodorant, new toothpaste, new face lotion, body lotion, whatever it is, body wash, that's a big one. Do a little bit of research and pick something, a company and a brand that you think is going to be more harmonious in supporting your health goals. And then you just buy it then. Okay, so you brush your teeth. That's all good. Now, that would be when I would drink my warm water and then maybe use the bathroom 
after that. But that would depend on you and your body and your state of hydration or dehydration. Then perhaps you are going to oil your ears. So this is not something I do every day, but um, there's some really great Ayurvedic oil, ear oils that you can use and order online, or you can just use sesame. So same thing, you're just going to put a few drops of oil into your ear. And so you might want to put a cotton ball on one side and just let it seep in a little bit. And then you right your head and place the cotton ball in the ear. You just put the oil in, turn your head to the other side. So then the cotton pad can sort of catch any of the oil as it comes out. So oil is naturally able to remove the impurities, to draw it out. So if we're thinking about cleaning the ears, keeping the ear cavity and canal a little bit more clean, free from earwax, so that we don't get infections and that we can hear and all of that stuff, then this is just a very gentle and nice way to help keep that area of the body clean. And, you know, I'm going to say everybody knows you're not supposed to use Q-tips in the ear, but I'm not going to tell anybody not to do it. I think another alternative would be to dip your Q-tip into your sesame seed oil and very gently, very gently just swab the inside of your ear. But again, Ayurveda would not say to do that probably. Okay, now clean the nasal passages. So we're taking care of all of, we're going to take care of the eyes, the nose, the mouth, the ears. So the nasal passages, this is one, there's two steps to this process. And I almost never do step one, but I always do step two. So step one is using a neti pot. And if you're not familiar with this, a neti pot is kind of, it looks like a small ceramic teapot, kind of. And you fill it up halfway with a lukewarm uh, purified water, and then you put in a teaspoon of non-iodized table salt, uh, non-iodized salt. So not table salt, but non-iodized. You can also get in a lot of stores or online a lot of like specific bags or jars of salt for the neti pot. So basically, you hinge at your hips. You stick one end of the teapot up one nostril, hinge forward over a sink, and then you, from there, rotate your head about, I don't know, a 45-degree angle, maybe a little more. And gravity is going to pull the water up one side of your nasal cavity, and it at the top, it kind of turns around and comes down and out the other nostril. So you wait a few seconds, and then you're going to start to have water dripping out. So say you stick the neti pot in your right nostril, you're going to start to have a little bit of water come out your left nostril. And so you do half of what you have in your neti pot. And then you stop, stand up, switch sides, stick the neti pot in your left nostril, hinge over the sink, and then the water will come out your right nostril. So this is awesome to do if you are feeling yourself coming on, getting sick. Now, if you're already congested, it's not recommended. Um, but it would also just kind of depend on how congested you were. Uh, the salt water is going to gently purify and cleanse the nasal cavity. So this is great when there can be debris and air, dirty air, and all the things that we breathe in on a daily basis can be kind of trapped in those very thin, very fine tissues of the nasal passage. So this is just a good way to clean that out, to purify. And when we keep the nasal passage clear and clean, guess what? 
our pranayama practice is so much easier and better. And then we're able to regulate the flow of prana through the nadis, through the main energy channels of the body, and really have just a little bit more of powerful of a practice. And I think we all know this. When we can breathe well, we feel better. So, neti pot. Also, I have a lot of vata, so I'm naturally a lot drier than other people. Um, if you're a kapha and maybe you have more oiliness in your body, then maybe this would be a practice you might do more often. Or if you live somewhere that's more humid, then that might be an option too. Okay, so the second part, this is what I love to do all the time, uh, every day, multiple times, and this is nasya oil. So this is nose oil. And I buy mine actually from a brand you can't get in Norway. It's called Banyan Botanicals. It's my one of my very, very favorite Ayurvedic brands from the U.S. And they make just beautiful products. I've used them for years. But they don't ship here due to the import-export laws. So I usually get mine when I'm traveling abroad. Um, so mine is actually a little bit of uh, herbal medicated oil. But you can just use regular sesame too. And I, I think you might be able – I haven't checked, but – you might be able to order some from iHerb online and have it sent here to Norway. Um, okay, so what you do is after you do the neti pot, or if you're not doing the neti pot, you just skip it, lay down on your couch or your bed and put a few drops of the oil into each nostril, give a little sniff, and then sit there for five, 10 minutes or so to allow the oil to slowly drip down into your nasal cavity. And then you can also take your pinky and just give a little swirl in your nostril to kind of spread the oil around a little bit more. So this is super hydrating. It is really calming. It feels so good. And this is my number one travel tip. If you're flying on an airplane, you carry on your nausea oil and you use it before the flight, during the flight, after the flight, because when you're traveling on the plane and it's that gross, recycled, super dry air... And there's all the germs floating around. Uh, this is a great way to keep your body hydrated and nourished, but also to help prevent your body from picking up some of those germs through the inhalation of your nose. So it just provides a little barrier, kind of like a slippery coating, the oil, on those delicate tissues in your nasal cavity. So if you do breathe in some germy, gross air, rather than it coming in as quickly, it might actually just kind of slide right off some of the oil inside your nose. So this is awesome to do. People think I'm a little nutty when I, I travel quite a bit and <laughs> I'm that weird girl on the plane where I have my plastic bag because you got to have that for your, your carry-on through the TSA and or the security. And it's all of like my on guard and all my different essential oils and I have all my super fatty lotions and potions for my hands and my face and keeping myself as hydrated and warm as possible. <laughs> and then and then I look like I'm picking my nose because I'm like rubbing this oil inside my nostrils, but I swear by it. And especially if you live in a place that has a lot of pollution, then this is also a great thing to do. Or if you're in the city a lot and there's just all the kind of nastiness from traffic and cars and yeah, nausea oil. Get some, use it, love it, live it. Okay, so then the next thing you would do, so we're still kind of on our morning practice here, would be to wash your eyes. So now a couple of things here. You probably have already kind of 
cleaned your eyes if you've washed your face. There's a likelihood if you're splashing water on your face that you got, you know, a little bit of water in your eyes. That's fine. If you want to go a little bit further, though, there are actually special eye wash cups that Ayurveda has that you can use. And you can actually use like a um, non-perfumed, but an actual rose water. Rose is super cooling, and that can help for people who have eye issues, specifically like a lot of people who have a lot of pitta-dominant doshas. And you can calm and soothe the eyeball by sticking your eye into this cup with the water. And and there's actually a lot of other um, treatments that you can do, the basti using dough and using medicated oil on the eye and in the eye, but that's usually something that... uh, therapist would do for you. So I like to, I actually just use disposable. They're like the one-time use non, what is that with the non-preservative eye drops. And so I just use that every morning when I wake up. And that's a nice way to kind of clean, clean my eyes. I put a few drops in, blink my eyes hard, and then I'm ready to go. Okay. Now we're up to my second favorite. Well, so my top three favorites are the tongue scraper, the nausea oil, and then this one, which is the abhyanga or the self-massage with oil. And you can warm up the oil. You can have a medicated oil. There's a lot of different choices. I keep it pretty simple because I do it almost every day. So I just have my sesame seed oil with some essential oils in it. I put patchouli and lavender because those are grounding and calming. And I usually actually do this at night. So remember when I said it's totally cool to kind of take what works for you, make it your own, and leave the rest. So personally, I actually do a lot of my dinacharya at night. I do my oral care routine in the morning, uh, but this is how I wind down my day. This is how I create a buffer from the chaos of travel and teaching and answering emails and walking my crazy dogs and all of that stuff. It's really my special time to be by myself, dial it down. I do a lot of chanting during this time, give myself my massage, and and then I get in bed and I read, and then I go to sleep. And it's it's the highlight of my day. I'm not going to lie. I love it so much. And that's because I feel so good when I do it. My body responds to it. I sleep well. I wake up feeling refreshed and hydrated and nourished and all of these things that really support a busy and kind of chaotic lifestyle at some times. So a couple ways you can do this. If you're going to do it in the morning, um, you can do it before you say you're going to take a shower. You can do it before your shower. So put, give yourself the massage, just pour the oil in your hands, rub it around your, oh, actually you might want to, I'll come back to that. You might want to do your dry brushing first. So Abhyanga though is Give yourself this massage, taking your time, rub the oil in. And if you're going to be putting on clothes and going to work and you're worried about being too oily or greasy, then you step in the shower and you just let the water kind of rinse it off. You'll still have absorbed some of the oil and gotten some of the benefits from it. Of course, leaving it on is the preferred method, but that's not always a choice for us. So we do the best we can. 
You're just going to soap up the parts of your body, the underarms and genitalia. We don't need to use soap everywhere on the body, usually, unless we've had a super sweaty or, you know, day you were out there running or skiing or something. And then you get out and you just pat yourself dry and put your clothes on and you're ready to go. There's no problem. The second way would be to actually put the oil on in the shower. And that can be really nice as well. And sometimes I actually do it before the shower, in the shower, and after the shower. If I'm feeling especially dehydrated or like I really just need some extra love that day. So what it does besides hydrate the body is it's actually super calming to the nervous system. And so this is why I like to do it before bed. It kind of dials my day down. And as a Vata dominant person, I really need to take care of my nervous system and make sure that I'm tapping into the rest and digest of the parasympathetic nervous system rather than ramping up the anxiety of the fight and flight right before bed. Oh man, makes me not feel good even to talk about it. Uh, Okay, so the... Last option, this is the one I do the most often. So I take my shower and then I do the oil after. Again, I do this at night, so I'm not going anywhere. I don't need to put on my clothes that I'm going to go out and go to work in. Now, I'm not going to lie. If you choose to use the oil and then go to sleep, it can be a little messy. So I do have specific pajamas that I wear when I'm going to keep the oil on my body. I also know that my sheets are going to get a little messy over time. So if I have like my very favorite sheets on the bed, then I won't do this practice. I'll do it before my shower. And then when I get out of the shower, I'll use uh, body lotion instead. But I've already gotten some of the benefits from the oil. So it can, yeah, it can definitely get a little gross um, if you don't change your clothes or change your sheets. And I end up just having to throw them out after a little bit of time because they're just pretty drenched in oil. But for me, the payoff is that I feel so good that I don't really care. And of course, once I got married and my husband had a say in all of this, he's not as thrilled about it. So I definitely have to tone down the way in which I do my abhyanga. And I'll even sometimes do it in the middle of the day. I work from home a lot when I'm not traveling. And if I'm having a rough day and I'm like, man, I just need a little extra self-love, I'll go into the bathroom, strip down, and give myself a little bit of an oil massage. And it does calm me down. The routine, the familiarity of it, the feeling of the oil on my skin, seeping into my skin, it's very relaxing. It's very soothing. It's very calming. And it's something that I just can't even really imagine living without. For those of you who've been to India or Sri Lanka and gone and had an Ayurvedic massage, it's kind of the same thing where they just use like buckets of oil and it's splashing off your body and you're basically just like, yeah, this greasy monster. It's kind of the same thing. And it's pretty amazing and awesome. Okay, so I forgot though, before you do your abhyanga, you're going to want to do your dry brushing. And this is also something that I love so much. So you can buy a dry brush for really quite cheap online. And there might be some stores here that carry them. I don't know. I haven't really looked. Uh, I bought mine online. And so I use my dry brush. It's 
uh, round and you start from the feet up and you just do these small, short little swipes of the brush along your skin. I also like to use essential oils on mine. I use rosemary. Sometimes I use clary sage. Uh, just kind of depends on the day and my mood, what, what I'm feeling like. And you're working your way up towards your heart the whole time. And I don't know, it takes me maybe like three minutes to do it. I don't spend a whole lot of time on it, but it feels really good. So the reason we do the dry brushing is because it increases circulation. And that can be really important, again, when we live in a cold climate, if we have a lot of vata or feeling vata vitiated or imbalanced. And it can help um, exfoliate the skin. It's brushing off the dry and dead skin cells. It also it helps with cellulite. There's a bunch of different reasons why we do it. It's also, again, just another small way in which we practice self-love and self-care, taking care of our physical body and not in the way of like, ooh, I'm going to go get a mani-pedi today. Like, that's great too. I love that. But doing things like this are very nourishing on a different level. Like nobody sees whether you do your dry brushing or not or your abhyanga or not, but we know. And we feel good. We feel different. We want to do it just for ourselves. And I think that's the cool takeaway with Ayurveda is if you're on this path of yoga and wellness and holistic health, then who cares if anybody else knows you do it or not? You know. Okay. So now we've done all of this stuff, cleaned our physical body. And guess what? Now it's time to do our asana, pranayama, and meditation practices. Oh, geez. <laughs> this is going to take like four hours and nobody, ain't nobody got time for that. So this is where you pick and choose. What are you going to do? How much time do you have? And what are the practices that you like the most that make you feel the best? I would say my morning practice um, with my oral health, oral cleansing, my nose. I mean, honestly, it doesn't. And I actually do my dry brushing in the morning and then I put on lotion and then I get dressed for my day. I would say all in all, it's maybe 15, 20 minutes. So it's not that big of a deal for me anyways. And then at night, I, I like to spend around an hour doing some of these practices and I also do quite a bit of my chanting when I'm in the shower and sort of in that space in the bathroom uh, when I have my alone time and my quiet time. But find what works for you. I've told people, I'm like, you know, if the only time of day you have to do any of this stuff is on your lunch break from work, do it. Do it then. I think it's better to do something than to not do anything. That's just my opinion about that. Okay, so that's sort of the down and dirty about a basic dinacharya practice, your rituals of self-care, your daily routines. And then, of course, with Ayurveda, there's so much more that we do. We think about, of, of course, the asana practice, our pranayama practice, the meditation, what kinds of practices we choose to do within those. Ayurveda has a lot to say about all three. And then we look at our nutrition and our food choices. And are we eating fresh, organic, local food? 
Aha, uh-huh. maybe not so much in Norway. We have to get a lot of our food imported here, but we can become educated about are we eating for the season? Uh, right now, in the middle of winter, at least in Norway, we're still in the Vata time of year. So, really, again, focusing on warm, nourishing foods, warm beverages, not having too many stimulants like coffee or nicotine or alcohol or drugs. And making sure we get enough sleep, practicing restorative yoga. Oh, that's the best, the best to balance vata, especially this time of year. And trying to balance out any of the anxiety or fear that can come up when we do have a vata imbalance. And so just really thinking about how do we slow down? How do we create more grounding? How do we get ourselves out of the tailspin of drama and chaos and story and just kind of stay on this day in and day out routine? Well, some of these practices, like how we clean our mouth, how we clean our nose, how we clean our body, are an awesome place to start. Really great place to start with getting ourselves in the routine and practice of doing something for us and taking care of our body in a way that perhaps we never have really thought about before or been taught before. And then hopefully when our physical body feels good, then we feel so much more connected to source, to spirit, and we get a little bit more of that glow in our body, our skin, and our eyes, uh, sort of that being lit up from the inside out. And that then allows us to be really clear on this practice of spiritual inquiry, where we're not having to worry as much about not feeling good. And I'll say for myself, uh, you know, this this has certainly been something that's non-negotiable for me. It's been non-negotiable for me in health. It's been non-negotiable for me in uh, serious illness. And it continues to be a huge priority in my life. And when I have my Dinacharya routines pretty well dialed, then everything else just kind of falls into place and is also quite easy. So, I would encourage you all to check this out. If it's not something you're doing already, you're welcome to send me an email. I have a couple of big projects on the horizon, and one of them includes launching, well, uh, rather relaunching uh, my blog. And so on my blog, I'm going to have a lot of stuff about this and resources and places to learn more about this. So stay tuned for that. And I think that's it. That's where we're going to leave this today. I mean, there's there's much more about it. And of course, a lot goes into essential oils and sound therapy and color therapy and oh, so many cool things that we can do to create an environment around us that supports our daily routines. So stay tuned for more on that. And I hope you have a great week. All right. Bye, friends. Thank you.